Hello and welcome to episode number 11 of The Progress Pod and today I am joined by good friend and fellow coach Jamie McCready and we're going to chat through predominantly about how we have achieved a sub three hour marathon. Going to get a wee bit of an intro to, to Jamie but when me and Jamie were both running regular training, two marathons we've done over the last couple of years, we're constantly searching for sub three marathon videos, sub three marathon podcasts. So looking back, I think if this was a podcast available then, it'd be really, really valuable to us. So that's going to be the main part of the, the podcast. But I'm just going to pass over to Jamie just to give a quick intro on him first of all, and then we'll dive into the detail. All right, Jamie, how you doing? Thank you very much for having me on here. Um, I'm actually known in my gym, mate, for being able to chat to everybody, uh, chat a lot of nonsense, and now I need to actually do it. It's uh, um, thinking to myself, can I actually just chat here for half an hour? But uh, yeah, so I've got a kind of sporting background. I've grew up like most people in the west of Scotland do, loving football, uh, taekwondo as well. Ever since I was little, uh, for four year old, uh, I done taekwondo, which I think I had a lot of natural talent for. So I ended up being a second dan black belt and British champion at taekwondo, um, and it was like all sports. You'll remember if it was the school holidays, whether it be the Open Golf would be on or the Ryder Cup, you'd be out playing golf. If it was Wimbledon, I'd be out playing tennis. So growing up, it was all, all sports. And then when I left school, I actually went to college and done an HNC in sports coaching and development. And it's not until 15 years later now that I've actually became a personal trainer. And yeah, so I've been doing that eight months and I absolutely love it. Aye. Brilliant, mate. And in terms of the running specifically, so I think you kind of messaged me, I think that must have been about a year ago now, just before you'd messaged me to say that you'd signed up for, for Loch Ness Marathon and I'd done the same. And then we started getting training together and stuff. But what was the kind of, what made you go for the, the first mar- the Loch Ness Marathon? So I actually, before I'd signed up, I hadn't, I, I'd done a 10k for the Great Scottish Run, but it was mostly like football fitness that I'd done growing up. Uh, or the odd 5k, I would go out and run. I hadn't actually done any sort of specific long distance running but I think when you're into sports fitness you look at the marathon and it's one of the things that you just think I want to take that off it's like if you ask anybody like what's the kind of pinnacle of endurance events the first thing people think of is the marathon so that's exactly um, what was in my mind plus my dad um, he'd done a marathon as well when he was younger um, I've still got the picture uh, I think he'd done 320 and I can always remember like my grand would say to me, like my dad would be up running Visco Bright Eagle Shumming back. And I used to think, like, if you hate man, like who's gonna run Visco Bright Eagle Shum? Now obviously I've I've done it, um I can see why you've got to do that sort of training. So that was it, mate. It was just a kind of pinnacle of endurance events for somebody that loves sports and fitness. Yeah, no, definitely agree. Like I'd I'd done a marathon, Stirling Marathon back in twenty Eight, no, 2017, 2017, 2018. And so I hadn't done any sort of long run distance runs since that. And I was the same as you, I just wanted to tick off a marathon. I, originally, it was like, right, I want to try and do a marathon because then that's one of these things, it's just, it's a bucket list thing I wanted to tick off. So I, I ticked it off. And at that point, I, I just went straight back. I stopped running after it, just went straight back to sort of weight training and stuff like that. So it wasn't until the start of the year, 2022 it would have been um, I was like started to try to pick up running again and I was like I wonder if I could actually do a, a marathon proper training block like 
really go for it and see what I could do uh, at the marathon. So that's why I kind of signed up. So it was my second one. It kind of felt like my first proper one because it had been like five years since I'd done one before. And this time I was going in like a proper focus rather than kind of kind of winged it the first time. Um, and just hit a proper wall, hated it. Um, but yeah, bigger bigger focus when we were heading into Loch Ness. So that was the first one that I booked. Um, it looked like it was a good scenic route like it was six months away from when i decided that i wanted to do it so it seemed like the kind of appropriate one you any reason why you picked block nest specifically no it was simply just it's just you go on the internet you have a wee scan through um again like yourself you see the pictures you see the scenery i mean it's absolutely gorgeous you don't realize before you sign up but how hard the actual route is obviously i can remember going up the wind farm to do a training run somebody get talking to you and I was saying about it all I'm saying oh and they, all, all they mentioned was oh wait until you get to 28k wait until and um, obviously now we've done it uh, there's a kind of three kilometre stretch and the only way I can explain like that three kilometre stretch at the back end of the Loch Ness Marathon is like the end of the gladiators <laughs> when they're going to run up the travel later uh, um, so yeah that was more the scenery but uh, we didn't kind of bank on how tough the route was going to be for, for Loch Ness. Yeah, no, I, like, I was, as I said, looked good. You could sign up for it. It was about six months away. And bear in mind, when I, when I decided I was going to sign up for it, I hadn't done a lot of running. I was still ticking off the odd 5K here or there every couple of weeks or whatever. Um, but I, in that first marathon that I said I did, I still, even though I didn't have a, I kind of winged it, I still got a, a pretty decent time for a first marathon. I came out at 3.27, um, that Stirling marathon. And, I just decided when I signed up for Loch Ness, I was like, I'm going to just try and push it and see if I can get sub three. Not realising, like, just how big an effort sub three hours is. Like, I, I would just, normally I'd set a goal in, in the past, like, I, I'm, I'll get my head down and stick to it and, and I'll, I'll achieve it more often than not. So I was like, right, let's just do sub three. And just thinking that if I just stuck to the plan, I, I could do it. But it wasn't until we started getting into the training and realising that, like, it really is a next level goal to try and hit and I've mentioned to you obviously this was going to be your first marathon Jamie and um, but knowing your background in terms of like general fitness that you already had like I knew that that was definitely a goal that you could go for as well so it was really really good for me especially being able to have somebody that was going to be pushing for a similar goal who we could train together bounce ideas off of I think in the lead up to that mar- marathon we must have messages about 15 hours of voice notes to and from each other <laughs> to uh, just discuss every ins and outs of it oh, trying to just get the wee age any wee nuggets that we'd got because like you'd said at the start like I went through Spotify every single running podcast and like YouTube videos Ben Parks like all these kind of people we were on like just trying to get that wee that wee kind of bit of information that was going to take us like to the next level and uh, there was so much to learn um, looking back now um, you just can't believe like what goes into running a sub three marathon, and we're going to obviously touch on uh, a good few things that uh, got us to achieve that goal. Yeah, no, definitely. I think what's even more probably spectacular about yours is you hadn't really done much long distance running beforehand, and then it was more most people signed up for a marathon originally to try and complete it. But I think the fact you actually signed up for a marathon and not just the view of completing it, going straight into a sub three attempt, which is like it's phenomenal to be honest so that was like in terms of the the training and getting into it did you feel early on that that could have been a goal that... i'll be honest mate no um i can remember like before i'd 
done this marathon block, the furthest I'd ran on a road was 15k, so that was the, the furthest I'd ever ran, um, and I can remember doing my first, it was the first ever half marathon, and I ran for the Busby Hotel to Ibrooks and then back to the Busby Hotel, yep. and at the end of that run, mate, I was in agony. <laughs> my hip flexors were sore. And I remember thinking, I need to do that again with no rest uh, and quicker. Okay. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I've got eight weeks to go. How is this going to be possible? Like you say, mate, you're sometimes just thinking, can, not, can I go sub free? Can I just finish this thing? Yep. Because you can't actually fathom how far that is. You know what I mean? Anybody that knows kind of the south side of Glasgow, East Coast side, you know, I mean, the Busby Hotel to run to Ibrox and back and then go again mm-hmm. and do it back. You don't realise how far that is. And um, so, like, the honest answer at the start was like, no. Yeah. Like, can I, can I do this? I don't think so. Yeah, no, it's, it's a case of, especially, like, completing a marathon and just getting over a marathon and then try to get sub-three goals. They're actually two completely different things in terms of what you need to take into consideration, the edge that you need to look for, absolutely no margin for error whatsoever. And it's one thing I suppose I do really enjoy about running is how quickly you can actually progress if you put in the work. And you'll see that from that point that you just made. You, you'd run that distance for eight weeks to go thinking, I need to run double that. I also need to run it faster. Like, how is that going to be humanly possible? As I said, I'd not done a lot of running before I signed up for Loch Ness either. So six months out, I think I'd said, right, I'm going to start and just do a 10K. I did a 10K in about 50 minutes and I was blown. I was absolutely wrecked after it. And I thought, right, that's five minutes a kilometre. Like, how much, how fast do I need to do to do sub three? And I was like, 4.15 per kilometre. And I was like, so I've got to run 45 seconds faster a kilometre and do it four times to what I'd just done. So I was just like, similar to using at the time, I was like, maybe I've kind of, overstretched it here with this goal but with running I feel like if you keep stay consistent with it and you keep pushing doing the different style of sessions your tempo runs your interval runs your, your long runs and everything like that that you can progress quite quickly and we've kind of we've shown but we'll kind of jump into the, the Loch Ness Marathon specifically so obviously we went through the training block how was the kind of lead up a few wee niggles prior that though there was a calf, yeah. calf issue a few weeks before, it was worrying. Yeah, towards the tail end of kind of football and stuff, I'd kind of ha- had calf issues, and um, yeah, it was one of the ones, but it was it was naivety from myself that when I was going out doing my long runs, instead of just doing them controlled um, and getting your time on your feet, I was going out and racing them like they were the bloody Olympics finals at yeah, times. Um, so it would be like, say a 30k long run I'd have 2k to go and I'd be smashing out the final 2k and then you'd pull a wee, a wee niggle in my calf and I'd be like what, the, what are you doing man like and that was again that was just because I didn't know really what I was doing at that point uh, so yeah but I think as well mate when I look back I had to spend a wee bit of time cross training because of the niggles um, and I spent a lot of time on the Stairmaster in the gym uh, obviously because you don't want to lose that aerobic base so you want to keep it going and uh, I think because of those so many hills uh, in Loch Ness doing the sort of Stairmaster yeah. um, on repeat was great for building my overall leg strength which on the day helped to carry me through for sure yeah 100% and for anyone that doesn't know cross training I suppose in running terms is basically anything other than, than running so Aye. getting on the Stairmaster the bike um, swimming swimming Agreed. like Anything that's not not running, 
Um, so I, Jamie, with a few weeks out, had to had to resort to some cross training just with the the niggles. But I think for myself and for you, Jamie, like I end up getting I end up getting a bit of a hip niggle, um, just down to like weak glutes, um, because what I've done is, Jamie was similar, as we quickly ramped up the running like much more than we had been doing for years prior, and then as a result of that, your strength training kind of decreases but we are still both getting into the gym and still training but in terms of what we were normally doing it was a decrease so that combination of decrease in strength training plus massive increase in running there's going to be a lot of niggles there the body's just not used to it not accustomed to it so if you've got any weak areas there's there's going to be niggles and um, jamie's feeling niggles in his calf i was feeling niggles, I had hip pain and um, so yeah it, there was a i had the kind of opposite effect heading into to Loch Ness. So, Jamie was cross-training doing a lot of Stairmaster, which was really helping with his legs, and like we didn't realise how hilly Loch Ness was actually going to be, so that really helped him, whereas I was the opposite for the last four weeks prior to Loch Ness. Because I was getting this hip pain, I was feeling it worse on hills, so running around East Bride, it's just constant hills, and I was just like, I need to try and find some flat routes, just so I want to get to this start line. So I ended up doing quite a few of my runs just on the track, flat track, running around, so I... On the lead up, I had like four weeks prior to kind of no hills, and I feel that kind of ended up hindering me a wee bit in terms of the, the Loch Ness, because if you looked at the Loch Ness elevation, a lot of it looked like it was going to be flat, but it was just because it was so up and down, so the elevation gain on a, on a kilometre might have been two or something, but that's because there was like yeah. a massive up for half it and a, and a down, so it was like, it was constant up and down the full way so we'll get we'll, we'll chat through kind of Loch Ness then we'll chat through how we got um, what we did Manchester Marathon because we were both on to another marathon block uh, and then we'll touch base and touch back on sort of what was our main sort of tips what was our main sort of because we're going through two blocks what we learned what our lessons are what we're going to do going into the future and just kind of like advice and what's what's necessary not only to do sub three but just in marathon running in general so we'll chat through sort of Loch Ness so that was the start of October yep. um, the race was as I said we, we, we knew there was going to be a big hill we'd been told there was a big hill about the 28 came up but other than that we thought it was going to be alright but it just it didn't really turn, turn out to be that didn't it? I think a lot of people when you look at the elevation and then you hear the rumours of the big hill and it's so funny as well not to spoil Loch Ness for anyone but when you approach a wee town where the hill is, there's a big sign that says it's going to get a wee bit steeper from here. And that was like the understatement of the yeah, year. Yeah. But I think a lot of people see it and they go, oh, well, there's these like uphills. You don't realise just how hard it is to run downhill yeah. because you're constantly trying to break. So I felt mostly it was my quads and my hip flexors from the downhill running yeah. that took more of the pounding compared to my glutes and my hamstrings for running the uphills. Yeah. Um. So there's a that's a kind of factor when you see a lot of people say, oh, but it was part of it's downhill. You'll be able to make up time. You're constantly trying to break when you're running downhill, and it's just putting constant, constant strain on uh, your big quad muscles and your hip flexors. So that was really what I struggled with at Loch Ness. Yeah. I think as well, like I had it in my head that it was going to be fine until we get to this twenty-eight k mark. I just need to grind through that hill. And then that would be me, but like you say, it was just constant hills. There was like there was one at eight k that was just so steep, and just see when you get these hills out of the blue, 
because your heart rate was never really settled. You're going up a hill, your heart rate's spiking, and then you're going down the hill, so it's going to, it's dropping quite quickly. Then there's maybe a wee bit of flat for a tiny bit of time, then it was down, it was kind of constantly up and down, so the legs were getting an absolute pounding. Heart rate wasn't staying the same, and it was just like, as well, although the scenery and everything like that was brilliant, I would definitely recommend the, if you were going just to tick off a marathon, it's a great marathon, well organised, brilliant, but in terms of trying to go for a PB, it's maybe not the best, there wasn't a lot of crowds at the side, there was long, long stretches where it was just like us, yep. basically, um, no one around you, so that can be quite hard during the marathon, see, especially when you know you've maybe got 20k still to go, 15k still to go, your legs are getting sore, there's nobody about, it can be quite, I thought it was quite challenging in that aspect. Absolutely, I think there was a, a podcast I'd listened to uh, with Paula Radcliffe, and she'd actually mentioned a wee technique that she used when times get tough, especially that final 10k, because in your training block, you'll typically run anything up to 30 to 32k. So yep. the final 10k of a marathon is actually no man's land. Yep. You've never done it before. And uh, one of the things that she'd said was she counts. So she'll count in her rhythm, in her cadence, um, to just like just take her mind off yep. whatever it was. And um, towards that, can I end of that hill towards the kind of final 10k I was I'll be honest mate I was in agony mm -hmm. um, my feet were sore um, as I say my quads were sore my hip flexors were sore but I was got to the stage where I remembered what Paul Radcliffe said and I would just start counting in a rhythm so I would be like one two three four and all my steps would be on the one two three four and I knew if I was running in that cadence that yeah my time's going to be because it was just keeping the legs moving um, so that was something that I implemented you know it may sound kind of daft at yeah. the time but um, you've just got to do what you've got to do at that point to keep the legs moving because if you stop yeah. you just seize yeah and I think like breaking it down like what we would regularly do in training and stuff is rather than saying oh we're doing 30k today or we're doing 25k today me and you would just break it into kilometres and just be like right we want to be hitting a 4 minute 15 kilometer like let's see how we go this next kilometer and we would just break it down into kilometers and you do it that way it just makes it much more manageable knowing right let's just focus on the next kilometer but as you say the deeper you get into a marathon sometimes it's a case of let's just focus on the next step <laughs> like literally like if i can just get the next step through especially get heading into that last sort of 10k and um, we, we ran together pretty much the full way up until that hill the big big hill jamie kind of took off in front of me I was kind of struggling at that point, so fell a wee bit behind. Then it flattened out, and I thought, right, there's less than ten. There's like ten k to go now. Final ten k, we're over that big hill. Started to get a wee bit of a boost and kind of caught back up with Jamie. So at that point, I thought, right, the biggest hills are, are over with. And uh, then before we know it, we're like seven k to go. Another like uh, it wasn't as bad as the as the one at twenty eight k, but another hill just came out of nowhere. And I think just not even physically, just mentally. That feeling of like, what I thought, mentally I'm like, right, we're in the home straight, keep going here, just keep taking it, and then a hill came, and uh, that just kind of finished me off, essentially, in terms of my sub three goal, just kind of run up that hill, really, really struggling, as I said, I hadn't been doing a lot of hill work, my legs were just in bits, got over it, and then, like, I started getting a bit of a stitch, and I saw there was a water station, I literally, like, in any kind of running event I've ever done, I've never, like, stopped or walked or anything, but I actually got to a point, I was like, right, there's, like, five, six K to go here, started to feel a wee bit, kind of, dizzy, stitch, like, legs are agony, and I was like, I need to stop at this water station, I still had an outside chance at that point of getting the sub three, but I was like, if I just stop at this water station, get a drink, let the, 
the stitch hopefully die down and then go again. I can still maybe do it, but see, as Jamie said there, if you stop, it's like, especially at that, at that part of a marathon with five, six K to go, you're not getting anywhere near where you wanted to get. Like, see, even trying to get close to the required pace or the rhythm that I was in, it just was not happening at all. I felt I was like trying to get back into it, running as fast as I could, and I was nowhere near it. It's just the, that getting out of that rhythm. You don't understand the how, like, once you get it, sometimes it'll take you three, four, five K at the start of a race to. To get into that rhythm, but see, once you're in that rhythm and in that flow, you kind of just kind of you, you 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 get stuck in it, don't you? You, you get glide. You, you glide. You're in it. But if, if you stop or something interrupts that, like I was actually saying to um some other day out running, that even the thought when you're going for a sub three place, even the thought of going into your uh, belt or whatever to get a gel is sometimes like I don't even want to do that because I have a water from a water station because that's going to take me out of this rhythm right. you've settled into a rhythm you feel fine it's just like the slightest thing especially stopping it can really just knock you out of it um, so I, I ended up continued kind of trundled from the last 5k trundled in finished at 3.03 um, so just missed out on the on the goal um, Jamie like you tell me about your last few k mate and how, how we managed to get it so obviously you're looking at the Garmin and you're seeing like I, I thought it was slipping away from myself obviously and, uh, I think it was the final 2k and I'm looking and I'm going I need to go under sub 4 minute per kilometre for a final 2k of a marathon yeah. and it was at that point it was like well got to make it happen you know what I mean? You only get one shot here, but we don't get a rerun here like tomorrow. This is like it's got to happen right now. And um I think my final kilometre when I crossed the line, I think it was about three thirty that I ran my final K in. And uh, what I didn't even know when I went under the finish line, uh, I was obviously thinking, geez, have I done it? I was like kinda of delirious at that point. I was kinda of like an outer body experience. And uh, I remember going back later on actually to get a lift off uh, one of the stewards back to my hotel because I couldn't walk within 30 seconds of finishing and um, I remember thinking like checking my phone have I done it have I done it when I get the video out after the marathon the announcer said congratulations to the runners going under the finish line now all sub free I, I didn't even know I didn't even know what was going on around about there's a video from uh, Kirsten yeah. as well they're shouting and cheering yeah. didn't even know they were there yeah. like, I was obviously just like that tunnel vision of I've got to get this done and thankfully I've done it by three seconds I three seconds like it's absolutely unfathomable like that last kilometre like just to let like, you know a sub three marathon you need to be running about four minutes 15 per kilometre and it would get you in at sub three so I think about six forty five or six fifty a mile and mm-hmm. um, we work in kilometres all the time but so Imagine trying to after forty k, then running under four minutes for the last two. Like I, I just like when Jamie said he did that, I, I can't, I could not believe it. The fact is, normally at that point, your kilometers are going to be slowing down because you're forty k in, your legs are heavy after hills, and to whip out a three thirty kilometer that last kilometer <laughs> is, is beyond. Like it just shows you what the body is actually capable of with, with, with the mind. And um, like it's just it's absolutely phenomenal. So I had Jamie first marathon, Loch Ness, hard, very very hard course, and and getting that sub three was was absolutely phenomenal effort. Um, so yeah, we we, we did Loch Ness. We both kind of agreed that it was a lot tougher than we, we expected, uh, and that if we were going for any PBs again, we probably wouldn't uh, sign up for for Loch Ness. 
So for, for me, I don't know at that point, Jamie was kind of undecided in his next sort of protocol in terms of event or whatever, because obviously he'd done the sub three set we achieved to do, but I knew for me, I was like, when's the next marathon I need to sign up? Like I missed out on it and I'm like one of these people that if I set myself a target and a goal that I want to achieve, I'm going to get it. Uh, so I was like, right, I need to get the next marathon. When, when, when can, I, can I look? And I had a few people talk about Manchester, how it's a big event. Uh, I think it's actually like the fourth biggest in Europe. I think uh, out with London, it's the biggest in the UK. So it's a big event and it's meant to be pretty flat. Or so people were saying it's really, really flat. And I thought, right, if I've managed the 303 at Loch Ness with another block under my belt, a flatter course, got to give a good chance of getting sub three. So I was like, I need to sign up for this. So I signed up for it. Said to Jamie, I'm, I'm doing this one, and uh, after a few days, just got a message back to Jamie with the, the same sort of sign up email, um, which was great news for me as well, knowing that I'm um, going to have another training block together because um, it does really help when you've got other people who are going through kind of similar, um, got similar goals, training, feeling the same um, niggles, feeling the same challenges. It just it really, really helps you bounce ideas off each other, and as I said, we were. We were sending each other podcasts basically in, in, in WhatsApp, just um, going through everything. And um, so I, Jamie, decided to sign up for Manchester. Um, and already we knew, I think Manchester was middle April, start of January, like literally straight after Christmas. We had our training kind of intensity in terms of our running block. It had stopped after Loch Ness, but we knew we were restarting in the new year. But we went out to do a half marathon just at the start, just to see where we were at. And I think we both, like, start of January, I think we did just about. 132, 133, half marathon. That was before the block, so we knew at that point the starting point was, was a lot, lot better. Oh, but we're well ahead of where we were, because I, like I touched on when I done that initial half marathon for Loch Ness, and I yeah. remember thinking to myself, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Yeah. But uh, that one that we done, we done it, and it was very comfortable. Yeah. And I think when we were able to do that, you, know, like you spoke upon like just that consistency of running, you don't realise how much gain you can make in such a short time frame, not mean that was only a matter of months. Yeah. That we were now going out and essentially running like a one thirty half. Yeah. Quite comfortable at that point. Yeah. Um. So that really built confidence going into Manchester plus Manchester's um a kind of flatter course, a faster course. Yeah. So all of these wee things were just building confidence in us that when we go to Manchester, we can both do this. Yeah. And then in terms of the the kind of Manchester block for me, the the main difference that I made was just making sure not to neglect my, my strength training, especially in the lower body, and just making sure consistently stretching, rolling, and my, my, my training block in the lead up to Manchester was pretty smooth, actually. Um, there wasn't too much disruption. I, I think I had maybe, there was a week or two, February was quite tough. To, uh, like the kids were unwell, I ended up getting a sickness bug and stuff. But other than that, there was no real major kind of concerns in terms of the, the block and, and going into it felt good. Do you similar? I was just saying, mate, just training smarter. Like yeah. uh, on the longer runs, I was running more on field. Yeah. It wasn't the Olympics final and yeah. it was going out to compete. You know what I mean? It was get the miles in the legs, get through the workout yeah. uh, and then let the body repair and let the body recover. Um, whereas, as I say, Loch Ness, I was a bit naive where I was going out and Three session, I was going 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you just kind of learn from the experiences. Definitely. I think um, in terms of, we'll get on to some tips and, and advice and things like that, uh, just once we get through the, the Manchester Marathon chat, but I think what Jamie says there about not trying to do 100%, 100% all-out maximum effort every run is, is something that a lot of people just get into running. 
will be guilty of and it's just about making sure your easy long runs are actually easy. The, the purpose of the long runs is really just to get yourself used to getting the mileage in, the time on your feet, the building that aerobic capacity, the, those long, slow runs. You're building that engine there. You've got your interval runs, you've got your tempo runs where you're going to be focusing on the speed, but just making sure to keep those easy runs easy. If you're giving maximum effort, every single session, every single workout, you're going to really struggle with recovery, it's going to impact the other sessions, so it's just about, as you say, going and fuel, even looking at heart rate, if you, if you look at that, like, just making sure those efforts are less in terms of you're your, your just about getting the miles in the feet and having those easy long runs, so we did, we took a lot of kind of benefit from that Loch Ness block and, and really started applying that, applying the lessons, and um, so both heading to Manchester, and um, it was actually quite a worked out quite a perfect day I would say in terms of weather-wise conditions atmosphere atmosphere like that's one of the biggest things I would just chat about the kind of differences in terms of Loch Ness and Manchester I think that the, the atmosphere and the, the crowds was the biggest one oh completely like there was as you say Loch Ness you could be you could run for maybe 8k and not see anybody yeah um, but at Manchester the crowds were literally all the way around the whole way I can't think of yeah. any part of Manchester where there wasn't anybody cheering you on yeah. um, so it was fantastic even in the start line the way that they kind of ramped up the music and stuff and like the atmosphere and the build up and everybody was so buzzing to get going yeah. you know and that's people that sign up for these events that's why I say like go and do an event yeah. it is it's that adrenaline it's the excitement it's the buzz it's been around like minded people yeah. everybody's striving for the same goal you know and what's so funny is like, I can remember like on we'll go back to touch on Loch Ness but on the bus we had these like fears and anxieties, like everybody does, and uh, then you start talking to the people on the bus, you've never met them before, and all of a sudden, they've got the same fears and anxieties, they've got yeah. the same worries, they've had the same issues in their training block, and you can start to relate, and then when you're like on the track with these people, and you're on the road, you're like, come on man, let's go, and you've got eight people pulling you along, yeah. which at Manchester was a massive difference. Yeah, I think the race day atmosphere, like, if, I, if you've never done a running event, like I'd advise to, to get it done. Like it's just excellent. Like the, the atmosphere, as you say, pushing each other along. Like you'll add a few minutes. Like you'll you'll take off a couple of minutes. I'd say to your time just purely off the adrenaline and the buzz of the of the of the event in the in the day. But I think we went in pretty good conditions. We felt good. We were, we were fueled, and we knew it was going to be. Um, a flatter course so we both felt pretty confident I think the, the biggest thing for Manchester for me at the start how crowded it was as opposed to Loch Ness so mm. Loch Ness opened up quite quickly I'd say within a bit yeah. longer I mean you were kind of together on our way Manchester was you could feel the first kilometre or two it was, it was busy it was uh, that way you were like that first kilometre was a wee bit slower than we wanted cause just because of the, the amount of people that were there so that was a wee bit that was, that was tough to begin with and then also the fact there was pacers at Manchester which there wasn't at Loch Ness so we were like right let's get around that three hour pacer if we stick with him most of the way we'll get ahead of him we know we're doing it he was miles ahead at the start wasn't he? Yeah, we were just we, couldn't, were, find we couldn't find him we were struck like what's, what's going on here and I think the pacer throughout the full race was was just all over the place wasn't he? he was and I think uh, by the end up as well and obviously we discussed is he going to run exactly three hours what's the pacer going to do but I think uh, the pacer ended up running around about 256, 257 
and yeah. I think it was obviously to pull anybody that maybe kind of just slightly fell behind them so all of these people behind still got some free yeah. so obviously that was why we're looking at our, our watches and our splits going well we're on it where is he you know, exactly we couldn't even see him and then obviously it was the pacers they carry wee, wee flags uh, on their backpacks and then all of a sudden it was like in the distance it was like oh there's a pacer there there's a pacer group um, and I think later on in the race uh, we actually uh, well I know I did yeah. because I kind of lost you for a wee bit um, I ended up joining the pacer group yeah. and just running with that group and again we speak about like the cadence when you're running in that group you can actually hear the footsteps yeah. it's like doof 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 and it's like that rhythm and you're all running in that rhythm yeah I think that makes such a big big difference like you don't because you're running in a big group of everybody doing the same the same as you say the exact same rhythm you just you settle into it and you're mm -hmm. there like I think at Loch Ness it was just me and you for lots of spells so it was just like right whereas when there was loads of people around you it kind of pulls you through and you're like right these guys are doing it right let's keep up with it and then when you're in that rhythm it makes it easier but for me the the pacer like we couldn't find them for ages at start then eventually at one point I past the pacer so I was like I'm ahead of the pacer now I just need to stay ahead of him and I, I was staying on my, my split times feeling quite confident and all of a sudden he flew by me with like 5k to go and I was like that, how am I so I was like I'm, I end up just having to ignore the pacer because I was like I'm I'm in line with my splits now I was like I don't need to try and speed up with him I don't know what, what he's doing but obviously that's what you said he's obviously sped up a bit at the end to get a kind of 2.56 time so I let the pacer go and then at that point um, I'd lost you for maybe 4 or 5k around maybe 30k mark and then yep. it was just like 35k I actually started to worry when the pacer went by me I was like is this slipping away from me again had a bit of a stitch again uh, my stitch was, I've, I've had issues with stitches they are getting better I'm struggling to get to the bottom of it but at Loch Ness I had a stitch from like 18k like fighting it on and off whereas I didn't feel even the start of a stitch until about 30k at Manchester so definitely getting better but and I had that stitch, the pacer ran by me, I'd lost Jamie and I was just like, this is not slipping away from me again because it was going so well up to that point and then all of a sudden there was maybe six, seven k to go, I heard Jamie just shout job and I was like, back in line with Jamie mate and then at that point I was starting to feel the, that way your, your leg muscles are starting to kind of twitch a wee bit and I'm like, cramps coming on here man and uh, Jamie pretty much shaved me with really. a full packet of salt tablets, that's another thing we'll get into with regards to fueling and stuff but yeah, Jamie passed a salt tablet or two and that, I think that really, really helped with just getting there and I think with that last 5k as well, we knew that if we just kept doing what we were doing, we were both going to get under it and we were just like, like let's keep one foot in front of the other, let's just keep keep pushing it. Yeah, like uh, it was funny as well because <laughs> right at the end, I'm saying to Jordan, look man, we're well under here. You yeah. know I mean, I was looking at my splits, I was looking at the time, I was looking where we were and I'm going, no, we've done it man, Like yeah. we just need to keep it going, we're well under and uh, I think because you had missed Loch Ness, you yeah. were not taking any chances. Aye, yeah. In like about a kilometre to go, you just took off. Like I am not, there's no chance I'm missing this again. So you took off. Um, I was confident uh, that we were well under, um, which obviously ended up being that we were. Um, and you kind of sprinted the, the finish Aye. and then I kind of trotted in uh, just behind you. Um, Aye. and even but at that point you're still not sure and you're still not sure because so what happens is with your watch and what I think is the case is as we said at the start it's really really busy and you're kind of weaving in and out of folk so I think like if you're measuring a marathon it's probably from the very start line if somebody just goes the full straight 
the full way to the end, that'll be the marathon. But I think just because you're probably weaving in and out of folk, you end up, you must be running a bit more than a marathon. Um, because when we were maybe like 400 metres away, mm-hmm. it both peaked in our watches, like marathon. Mine was like marathon completed, like the 42.2k. I think it was like 257 something. We were both about 257, 258, something like that. But I was like, right, the finish line's still... 400 metres away here, yeah. like we need to make sure we get this, we still felt confident but it was like, at the end of the day, if you're going to try and get into other events, it's your chip time that counts, it's not your Strava or whatever, or your Garmin watch, it's your chip time, so it's like, we need to make sure this is under sub three as well, so as I said, I just, I tried to bomb it because I was, I was like, I cannot just miss this again, and then uh, we both got over the line and we are both like, like, did we actually... Did we actually do that or not? Because you're still a bit kind of panicking, and then the, the text came through that we well, were both like well over thirty seconds. Oh, well under. Aye, so uh, um, we had a good wee bit of time to spare. But I no, it was excellent to both both of us complete it that time and um, get that that sub three. So we'll still to see what to do with it or not in terms of if you get sub three, you can apply to get into some of the bigger events like London and stuff. But it's not a guarantee. And um, there's only three thousand places so it depends on who who applies for it in terms of how many folk got sub three and stuff like that but that's that's still to still to find out but yeah it was just such a amazing feeling for me especially just managing to get that sub three goal that i've been been chasing and um jamie again getting a pb and it was his second time two marathons two sub threes uh, and it was it was a quicker it was about more than three seconds this time as well so it was uh, really just good news all around but one thing i will say as well about how the the body really just adjusts and conditions itself is my recovery time after Manchester I don't know if it was to do with the help of being flatter but felt that I recovered a lot quicker after it you oh, 100% after Loch Ness I can remember it took me a good four weeks yeah. like obviously a lot of your training runs and stuff you kind of uh, you track on Strava and I can remember writing on my notes saying no I've still not recovered and that would be like two or three weeks after Loch Ness but um, I was back training probably within a week yeah. after Manchester, yeah, feeling like the body was kind of back to normal. Like you say, it's just it takes time for your body to adjust and acclimatise to that sort of stress and that sort of training. But no, as I say, I was only a week and I felt as if I was not good to go again. But yeah. I felt um, that the training could can resume again. Yeah, and I think as well, just the fact that Loch Ness was the first marathon that both of us had done. It was first marathon Jamie had done, first I'd done in like five years. So the body's not used to that level. Also, we were probably made quite a few mistakes during training, as we as we discussed. So it was all about that training smarter, focusing more on our recovery, and um, throughout training, uh, everything like that, and the body just becoming more a, a, adapted to it in terms of like the body know the body's done a, a marathon six months prior, so it's got that it's got that there. So that was a, a big big positive the fact that we we recovered um, really really quickly from it. But yeah, the sub three was definitely it was a goal that I'd set more than a year before Manchester so it took a long time for me to, to finally get that over the line and just showed you like how how hard a goal it was and um, I've got a lot of respect for like I've learned a lot about running over that period of time and the, the, some of these marathon runners and the, the professional like the, the the speed and stuff that these guys go at is, is, is just unbelievable um, but in terms of just moving on now in terms of actionable sort of advice and tips around achieving the sub free anything that you'd like to, to add mate and even we can relate it to just a marathon in, in general as well but sub three specifically in the sense that it's it's you need to go above above some in some areas I, like you say this is actionable for not just sub three no i mean a yeah. lot of these points are applicable to anybody that's going to go and do any sort of long distance or long endurance events um but the first one for me would be 
how you structure your week. But for myself, you would reverse engineer your week from your long run. So your long runs essentially your most important run of the week. Um, so for example, say you're doing an 80k week and you've got a 30 kilometer long run, I would subtract the 30 and then know that you've got 50k to break up into the rest of the week. And like you say, you would break that into interval runs, maybe a recovery run, maybe a tempo run, maybe a marathon pace run, you know, so you would, you would go and work backwards from uh, your long run. So I would reverse engineer your week for sure. Yeah, I think it's having some marathon pace efforts in there as well is a, a, is a big thing. Um, not only just for getting the body used to it, but just for a confidence point of view as yeah. well. I think if you can nail some marathon pace efforts, it just it gives you that confidence that you that you, you can run at that pace and that you're, you're going to be okay on the day. Because um, as I said, on the actual race day with the adrenaline and everything like that, um, you do get a bit of a boost. So if you can do some marathon pace efforts by yourself, out in the streets, then that's going to give you a lot of confidence for the, the actual event. Yep. Next one would be, mate, proper nutrition and fueling. So proper nutrition, and I just don't mean on event day. Yep. I mean throughout your whole block. You want to be eating as natural as possible, good quality whole foods, you know, essentially getting in all the nutrients, uh, things like vitamin C, vitamin D as well, because... When you're out running, you're putting so much stress on your body, it can hamper your immune system. Yep. So eating well, staying hydrated, um, and like say vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, things like that, uh, boost the immune system and try and keep your body as healthy as possible to keep you going through a training block. Definitely, I think with the nutrition point as well, I think since doing the marathon block, it's really changed my view in, in nutrition in the sense that I started viewing it as a case of like, I'm actually fueling my body with food. I'm not just eating food because like I'm hungry or I like this food or whatever. I'm like, I'm actually putting fuel into my body. So what fuel needs to go into that for my body to operate at the best that it can? It's like a, a, a car going up to the petrol station, you put petrol in it to get it to run. Like that's that I started viewing it and I was like, anything I was eating, I was like, right, this is not going to be ideal fuel for me. Like I really want this and I'd be really minimising that sort of, the food and, and drink because it really is like the if you are filling yourself up with good whole foods like you're going to perform at a much better level you know how you feel like if you if you are eating well if you are uh, training well and, and stuff like that like you feel great and you, you, whereas if you've had a big a heavy takeaway the night before and you're foods. feeling and it's full of processed stuff and you're you're feeling bloated and stuff like your training session suffers so it's just like yeah the, the nutrition point is, is really really key um, and in terms of nutrition as well like uh, as a, around the the, the event day and, and some even longer runs like the kind of carb loading protocol mate you want to kind of chat through that yeah mate so in three days prior to the event um, the wee rule of thumb that we kind of picked up on from listening to other athletes and stuff was 10 grams of carbs per kilo of body weight yep. so essentially I sit around about kind of 64 65 kilos so I was looking at 650 grams of carbs um, and I would consume that and foods that I know weren't going to have any sort of gut issues for me so I was like for me it would be things like rice, uh, rice pudding, cocoa pops, uh, muesli, uh, cereal bars, all of these sort of things I know that my body can cope with yeah. um, so that was something that we had to implement um, on that as well because you don't want to over consume your calories when you're doing your carb load 
you want to bring down your protein and your fat yeah. as well so you're not just consuming just loads and loads of calories you want it to be carb focused to just fill your muscles full of glycogen for the event day and then also as well intra marathon so within the race um, we took gels with us yeah. so again you would test what gels it is that you like because um, there's so many different brands out there so many different flavours um, and I took a gel every 25 minutes yeah. so I think there's 25 to 30 grams of carbs yeah. in each gel so yeah every 25 minutes I would make sure because the last thing you want to do is get so depleted that it's too late yeah. you need to stay on top of it you need to keep your body fueled uh, throughout and also as well at the fueling stations and stuff uh, you don't want to actually go and be gulping full bottles of water either yeah. you know what I mean you think about it I'm going to go and run for three hours oh I'll need to get a no, it's just wee regular sips and just making sure that you've just got enough you don't want to be overhydrating yeah definitely I think on, on that point with regards to the, the gels and making sure that you, you do practice it make sure like test some gels some gels might not sit well with you and they are necessary and like when you're the kind of rule of thumbs maybe around about 60 to 80 grams per hour in terms of getting your carbs in this is if you are doing longer than 90 minutes running i would say like a lot of people might say oh i've got a 5k at the weekend i'm going to carb load there's no need for that like carb loading is only really essential if you're going to be doing sort of more than 90 minutes because typically um sort of carb carb loading and in terms of intra intra fueling sorry it's not really necessary if you're doing like a 5k 20 minute run you're going to have the glycogen stores there to get you through that it's normally after say 90 minutes or so that your your glycogen you start to get depleted and what you don't want to do is you don't want to leave it too late that's why jamie's saying 25 minutes in to taking a gel at that point jamie's already got enough carbs in there right it doesn't necessarily he's not depleted but you keep on top of it like you don't want to let your stores completely deplete before then trying to take a gel you just keep on top of it every 25 to 30 minutes taking a gel and that just keeps you topped up i made that mistake in my first marathon i took gels with me but i don't even think i took one until like the half marathon mark like i just waited until i thought that i was getting a bit tired and at that point it's too late you become completely depleted and you're it's just too late i end up hitting the wall so it's just about making sure that you do keep on top of it but as i said this is not really necessary unless you're going to be running sort of more than sort of 90 minutes or at a really really intense pace um so i getting that getting those in and the 10 grams of carbs as well it is a lot so again practice that practice the carb load before a few long runs don't just load yourself up with 10 grams of carbs three days before event day if you've never done it because it's a lot and as jamie says it's a lot of carbs it's more a case of like you just reduce the other areas your protein and fats really reduce those have a higher concentration on carbs um, and although we chatted there about making sure it's full natural foods that can kind of go out the window a wee bit in terms of um, on the carb load because you really just want to be eating easily digestible carbohydrates that's going to sit well with you as Jamie says you want Jamie mentioned there cocoa pops that like for instance that might not go down as a, a natural whole food but it's high in carbs sits well with Jamie's stomach so on the basis of a carb load pre pre-run they're absolutely fine majority of the time i look for whole unprocessed natural foods but with the carb load you can be a little bit more flexible with it but the biggest thing as we're saying is practice it literally practice it in your long runs what you're going to eat what works for you what doesn't do not practice anything new on race day Aye, that touching upon that mate the point you've just made about having a practice run 
that's of paramount importance. Um, so we were maybe about four or five weeks out from yep. the marathon and we'd done a half marathon test run. Yep. We wore the same trainers we were going to wear, we wore the same socks, we wore the same kit. Uh, we took the gels that we were going to use, we had the same breakfast. It started at the same time that the race was going to start. Yeah, we done the same warm-up routine that we were going to do and we ran at the same pace that we were going to run the marathon at. And we knew then if we didn't have any kind of stomach issues, if we didn't have any blisters, if we didn't have any other sort of kind of, obviously there's loads of things that can crop up, but we knew that if we'd done that, it just kind of builds that mental confidence that, right, We've ticked all these boxes, we've had no issues. So when you turn up on race day, it's like, bang, I know exactly what I'm doing here. I know it's worked before, I'm ready to go. Yeah, exactly. The last thing you want to do is be turning up at the start the start line, stomach rumbling, like you're, you're not feeling well, you may be feeling a bit sick because you've t- taken a gel that you've not tried before, like or your shoes are rubbing because you've just taken a brand new pair out of the box. Like We need to avoid all that. You really need to do practice. And as I said, into all those details that Jamie said, it's finer details is that, because it can mean so much, especially when you're trying to go for a a, a really big, ambitious goal like like sub three. Um, Any other points, mate, if you want to add? Yeah, mate, so the the training, let's just be honest here, it's hard. It can be monotonous at times. And there's going to be times during your training block where you're maybe doing your longer running, you're at 24K and it's like, I'll just take the wee slip road here and I'll, I'll jog up the road, I'll be neighbour and nobody sees me. But you need to build the mental calluses in your head. You know, because like we spoke about earlier, that final 10k is no man's land and you're going to have that wee voice in your shoulder at some point at that event saying, I just stop. Yeah. You know you want to stop. This is getting hard, you're sore. When you do that in training and you know that you can push through the barriers in your training, it mentally prepares you for event day. You can't really comprehend how big the mind is when it comes to not just sub three. I'll talk just completing a marathon because when I finished Loch Ness and I was back and we were seeing maybe the people that were an hour, an hour and 15 after us and the pain on their faces and they were still going. Yep. You know, um, mentally, it's I'd say it's just as much mental as it is physical. 100%. The mental game is massive. Like, how many times, as you say, especially in that last 10k, you're just chatting to yourself. It's just like, <laughs> right, you can do it, mate. Just keep, you know, we're not stopping, we're not slowing down. Come on, like, it's just constant back and forth with, with in, our, in our chat. And just doing things, make things harder for yourself in training. Like, literally, do it. Like, it, uh, as I said, we had the hip issues. Um, and I was having to do quite a few runs on the track. I actually did 28k round the, the, the track, the athletics track, 70 times round it. I had to do uh, at marathon pace. And like that was mentally challenging because it was just monotonous. At one point, I was actually like <laughs> a wee bit delirious in the sense of like, how many times have I gone round this now? If I didn't have my watch telling me, I would have lost count. I would have known where I was. Um, but it was just, and it also what I did as well, I didn't listen to my headphones until halfway through it. I said, I'm just going to make this even harder. So I just had no headphones, nothing for 14k around the track. And it, like, it sounds madness, but I think having, putting your mind through that, it does make it a bit easier when you're going through it and, and race day and, and on events. So definitely making things challenging and, and actually cherishing, cherishing those um, mentally tough moments and getting through them. Oh, definitely. And I think as well, something that I implemented was because it can get quite monotonous, uh, I actually changed up my running environment. So I would go into Glasgow and I would run different areas in Glasgow. I would go down to Bar- Barassi Beach down in there. Um, places that I'd never been really. Yeah. 
and run around these areas so you're always stimulated because say if you just have your kind of regular routes it just becomes like groundhog day yep. so going and being able to and it just takes your mind off the run oh i've never i never knew that was there oh that's quite nice oh what about that area i've never been in there um it just stimulates the mind obviously as well there's um maybe some parts of glasgow you tend to run a bit quicker <laughs> so, but uh, um, it does it just keeps the mind stimulated definitely and i think as well i was lucky with, with having jamie that there were a good few runs we were out together if you've got somebody that's maybe doing the event with you and you've got similar goals just get out runs with them like the difference it makes in terms of running with someone else not only in your own performance but just in terms of like how quickly the run goes by the enjoyment of it just makes it so much better so if you've got that opportunity then make sure to do it yeah and another one mate is visualisation like that's something I don't even know if we've actually spoken about this uh, but I 100% would visualise what it would feel like on the final straight yeah knowing that I'm going to do sub free what it would feel like running under that clock, sub three, the guy giving you your medal, or the yeah. announcer shouting out saying sub three, congratulations, and the crowd and everything, not yeah. cheering. Yeah. Like you visualise the moments yeah. before you're even actually entered the race. Yeah. Um, I was big on that. I, Massive, I used to yeah. visualise all the time. Massive, I fully agree. I would a lot of times you're doing a hard run. Actually, a lot of times it would make me run faster as well. In your in your head, you start thinking, you get a bit of a buzz. You actually feel you can actually feel the adrenaline going through you as you visualize it. In yep. terms of like, imagine this being the last kilometer of the race. Imagine running through. Imagine your your family there and the crowds there. Like imagine things like that, and that that visualization can actually pull you through a hundred percent. A massive like advocate of that as well. Um, but I mean, any any other kind of key points that jump to mind? I think we kind of covered. Um, fueling, like make sure we're practicing in terms of runs, and make sure the training's hard. Visualization. Anything else, mate? That you feel you would add? Take action. Yeah. Take action. You know what I mean? I'm, I I'll be honest. I procrastinated probably for about two years. Yeah. I mean, oh, I'm going to do a marathon. I'm going to. Uh, oh, I'll do the next one. Yeah. See, like if you've got a goal, um, and you just want to get it, like you get signed up, and the training happens. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's a big thing as well. Motivation comes from taking action. You know, you've got to take it out there. Sign up, and all of a sudden, you tend to find that the training just all of a sudden happens. You've got to just get out there and go for it. Yep, sign up and then deal with it. Don't think, oh, I need to get fitter before I then sign up, or I need to do this before I sign up, because that's not going to happen. No, we need to sign up and then deal with it, uh, and that's going to how you're going to get to work. But no, mate, that was um, excellent. If anybody has any questions at all for myself or Jamie, um, then let us know around marathon running, any running at all anything um, I'll put Jamie's Instagram in as well at the bottom of the, of the podcast and just to kind of finish up mate uh, I know we've been we've been talking a while now mate on uh, uh, on, uh, on, on on all things marathons and, and sub free but in terms of you now where's the where's the current goals at what we what we're focusing on so we've got Glasgow first uh, of October for the half I've actually never done a half marathon event yeah we've done a couple of wee half marathons in our training box and stuff um, we say uh, one of the training runs we've done a pure crazy time. Yeah. We've done one, I think I was 123.58. Yeah. Uh, I was just, just over 124. So that's a PB. That's PB yeah. for both of us. So the goal for me is to go into Glasgow uh, event day and get a new PB. Yeah. If I can go under four minutes or in the freeze for a half marathon splits, uh, that would be a, a decent wee one to get. Yeah. Um, so yeah the goal for me is a new PB at, at Glasgow so Brilliant. working towards that now yeah no, I'm quite excited for that um, in terms of 
we've done a lot of half marathons over the last year, but it's just been within training. We've not actually specifically trained for a half marathon. Um, and I actually did a lot of half marathon at the start of this year, but again, it was a training run fo- with the focus on the marathon. I was actually running it at marathon pace rather than a half marathon pace for most of it. So it will be interesting. I've, I've got a similar goal in the sense that um, our next big event is the Glasgow Half Marathon 1st October and again going for a PB um, so I remember setting that PB when we did that during training thinking this is going to be hard to beat but it will be interesting seeing how, how, how it shapes up if we're training specifically for the Half Marathon so I'm really excited for that um, I've actually also signed up for um, my first ultra marathon um, the week after um, the Glasgow Half so I'm doing the 55k um, Danoon uh, ultra marathon it's a bit kind of out of the blue but it was kind of various reasons behind it but I thought after the half marathon I'm going to pretty much be peak physical fitness in terms of my running and the ultra marathon I'm not going to be doing it to try and get any records or anything like that it's more a case of let's get an ultra marathon ticked off and I think just going doing that at a steady much much slower pace and it's just going to be something else that I can I can tick off and I thought doing it when I'm at my peak peak physical condition running wise probably makes sense Uh, and then yeah just an experience essentially you want to experience as many kind of events and things like that as possible so that was my thinking but yeah the, the main focus for me at the moment is 100% on the, the half marathon the only difference I'll maybe make with my training is uh, the longer runs make them a bit longer and um, just in preparation for that ultra the week after but it's all kind of full steam ahead for the, the, the half marathon and the uh, the track session we did last week mate was uh, quite good indication that our speed is definitely improving on aye 100% jeez man I couldn't believe like obviously when we started out in it in sub four, yep. we were buzzing with. Um, I think my mile was down at three sixteen. Uh, my eight hundreds were down in the three tens, and then I was under under three yep. uh, kilometer pace for my um, my four hundred meters. So it just shows you how better your technique gets, how much more efficiently you're able to run. Um, just by doing the reps. Yep, hundred percent. That's been a probably a solid year that we've been focusing quite heavily on running we've not neglected anything else we've still been training and stuff like that we've still been strength training had other goals but we've had quite a big focus on running and the improvements in a year mate or even the last three or 18 months has been unbelievable isn't it? like that's what i would just say to anybody here if you've never really ran before you're a bit worried about it like just start and start slow and build up and you'll be shocked like you'll sit here in a year or two time and think wow like look what i used to think was really fast and you'll be like you'll be quicker than that what I thought was a crazy distance and you'll be you'll well done that like I spoke to uh, obviously if you've not seen it do the run club at the weekend and there's lots of guys there that when they first came would never ever run a 5k and they're running like 12k and now because they've done that they're like oh 5k is like nothing and it's just like your perception and once you just start as Jamie said they're doing the reps consistently you'll see the improvements there and before you know it you'll look back in two years time and be like it's crazy how, how much you can improve so yeah, that's uh, kind of everything that I had to add, mate, unless you have anything else to, to add before we finish up. No, mate, I just want to say thanks for having us on, my podcast debut. You know, I, um, I obviously mentioned at the start, I like, I sh- I like to chat, and uh, so if you, you're listening to this, you might want to stick it on 1.5 times and uh, <laughs> get it through so you can get it all done, because uh, I think we're uh, approaching an hour. So, no, mate, it was uh, great to, to sit and just chat through what it is that we've We've been up to the last year and hopefully we can inspire and help others to take a bit of action and get out there and uh, one thing I would say is like the feeling of getting that medal at the end yeah. it's something that nobody can ever take away from you 
you know, when you're older and when you're talking to potentially your kids or your grandkids and stuff and you've got that medal to show, it's it's class. You know what I mean? So if anybody's like sitting on the fence and they want to go and do something, go and get it done, man. Hundred percent. Um, so yeah, hopefully you guys have, in, have enjoyed it. Hopefully you've uh, taken some value from what we said and some of the advice that we've given. And if there's any questions, as I said, I'll put Jamie's Instagram underneath here. Uh, feel free to drop us a message. And uh, yeah, if anybody is interested or has any other questions, just, just give us a shout and uh, we'll speak to you on the next one. Cheers. Cheers.